When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It's the Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. Right now, folks, my next guest is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author of The Warmth of Other Suns and Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. Please welcome to The Late Show, Isabel Wilkerson. The, as I said, the, the new book is Cast, The Origin of Our Discontents. Uh, it came out two years ago, but it's now out in paperback. The New York Times Review called it the keynote nonfiction book of the American century thus far. Um, for those who don't know, explain the concept of cast and how you perceive that within our own cultural context. Well, first of all, cast is essentially an arbitrary artificial graded ranking of human value in a society, any society. And we often think of that word applied to India, you know, that the, the most recognizable caste system in the world. And yet it turned out that our founding fathers actually replicated or created a parallel kind of hierarchy. But what they did was you could use any number of metrics to create a, high, a, a caste system. You could use uh, religion, you could use ethnicity, you could use immigrant status, language, all of that. But in our country, what the colonists chose to use was this, the metric of what people look like, meaning race. So race was the tool that was used to divide and to rank people, to determine who would be slave or free, who could own property or who could be property. And we still live with the after effects of that. And what, what was the evolution of that I, idea? Because my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that our concept of race, the modern concept of race that still sticks with us to a large degree, is something that was invented fairly recently in human history. Yeah, I mean, the idea of caste, caste is sort of a, an overarching, underlying form of division that any, any society could use. But race is a much newer concept, as you said, and so race is something that had no reason for existing. You think about the Europeans... Uh, who, uh, before coming to, this, to, the, to the Western Hemisphere, they didn't identify themselves as white. They identified themselves as Polish or German or Scottish or Lithuanian, whatever they were. There was no need to describe themselves as white. It's only when you bring people from different parts of the world into one space, which is what our country is, and have, uh, have people who look differently, and then assigning value to what otherwise should be just, uh, you know, neutral characteristics that are just the beautiful range of human manifestation. And so the colonists turned that into a value attached to what people look like. And that's what race truly is. That's what it is in the end. Was it an invention of 
convenience in order to justify an economic model. In order to justify enslavement. Which was an ex oh, uh, economic absolutely. exploitation of absolutely. other people's uh, uh, agency. Labor. Yeah. Um, okay, so you use a metaphor that I like. Please explain this. You've got this metaphor <laughs> to sort of explain uh, living within a caste system. Yeah. Well, one, one metaphor that I, I love so much is the metaphor of this old house. I see myself as the, the building inspector of this old house we call America. And if anyone has an old house, they know that the work is never done in an old house. You're like, you, you never like, get a, a new hot water heater and say, phew, I'll never have to think about that again. <laughs> There's some owners of the old house around here. Uh, and, and so the, you know the work is never done and you don't expect it to. So when you have a, a country such as ours, a country as old as, as ours is, we should not be expecting that the work is all, always done and all done. The other thing about uh, a, uh, a house as a metaphor for understanding ourselves is that when you take possession of an old house, and I'm the building inspector who's handing you this report, yes. and you take possession of that old house, uh, it, you are not the one who created those uneven pillars and joists and beads. You're not the one who created the frayed wiring and the, and the corroded pipes. But anything that happens going forward is on you. Any further deterioration is on you. And when you take on the task of, of uh, you know, taking possession of an old house, you don't get necessarily emotional about it. I mean, you may not love what the report is saying, yes. but it's not personal. It's not about shame and blame. It's recognizing that this is the situation that we're in. This is our inheritance as Americans, inheritance of if you take possession of an old house. And it's up to us to roll up our sleeves and get to work and do whatever it takes to fix this old house. Look at all those systems, overhaul those systems, do whatever it takes to fix those systems so that it can remain standing for generations to come. And, and those who say... That's a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. And... And those, and those who are inclined to say, what are you talking about, there's nothing wrong with this old house, are asking you to live in a fire hazard. Or, or I would say those who might say that I don't see anything wrong with those, the, this old house, they're the ones who live on the upper floors where they don't have to deal with the flooded basement. Yes. But if a fire comes, they're still in it. Well, if a fire comes, everyone is affected. Everybody is losing out. There's an attack on teaching some of our history right now, especially on some of the, uh, the far right, uh, but those people are also leading presidential contenders at the same time. What do you say, what would you want to say to those who are looking to throttle or control the access to information about certain aspects of our history? Well, let me get back to first the old house. I mean, you know, you don't want to go in the basement after a flood, after a, a rain. You don't want to mm -hmm. go in the basement. But if you don't go in the basement, it's at your own peril. Whatever is lurking in that basement will be there to taunt you no, matter, you, know, no matter whether you know it or not. Ignorance is no protection against the consequences of inaction. Not knowing is not protecting us. <laughs> you made it sound really scary when you said lurking down lurking. in the basement. Is it a clown with a red uh, balloon? Because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, you have said that the, the murder of Tyree Nichols reminds us that caste is not really, in fact, about black or white. What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah, well, we're accustomed to the polarity of black versus white in our country. So this is solely a racial we're, conversation. We're accustomed to seeing it when the, the people involved look a certain way at the extremes of, of our, the polar uh, configurations in our country. But what the Tyree Nichols case shows us so tragically is that you do not have to be in the dominant group, the dominant caste, 
in order to do its bidding, that we all have been exposed to and programmed to recognize what the hierarchy is, whose lives are valued, and whose lives are so devalued that anyone in any group, including one's own, can, uh, can attack you. And that's what happened to him. And so that in, to maintain a caste system of the hierarchies of where everyone's positioned and to maintain the social order that we are so accustomed to, that's a 400-year-old social order, there are sentinels at every rung. And in that case, that's what they were doing. They were enforcers of the caste system. You, you, your father built bridges. You yeah. said he was an engineer, he built bridges. And you say that you want to carry on that legacy. What do you mean by that? Because you're not an engineer. No, he wanted me to be an engineer, but that was not happening. <laughs> that wasn't happening. Uh, he finally came around uh, after a while uh, to what I chose to do. No, he, he, my father was a, was a, a Tuskegee Airman. And, uh, yeah. and, 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 and these were among the finest pilots our country has ever produced. And yet, when the war ended and they went out, uh, you know, looking to pursue that which they had loved and had so proven themselves to be capable of, it turned out that they were prohibited from being able to work as pilots, speaking of restrictions and caste. And so they were, they were not able to get jobs. No one would hire them as pilots. And so they had to go out and remake themselves. And some of my father's uh, friends, they went off and uh, got, they became dentists, some went into law. And my father went back to school for another degree in civil engineering. So he became literally the builder of bridges. And so I am the daughter of builder, a builder of bridges. And I take that on as my legacy in everything that I do to, to connect other, otherwise disparate uh, things and to show that which we have in common that we might not otherwise be seeing. Well, Isabel, thank you so much for being here. So Lovely to talk to you. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. CBS Sunday, after The Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.